from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief, Thursday, April 13th, 2023, and a packed, packed show this morning with a bunch of windows zero-day warnings, and must-patch notes, including some stuff from Lazarus, the Cootie data breach, and Citizens Lab's obsession with Israeli offensive cybersecurity companies. Just saying, they're not the only ones that exist. We've done a little bit of research on it, yet somehow it seems they seem to be very motivated in targeting this part of the Israeli cybersecurity industry for some forsaken reason. We'll find out more about that today. So without further ado, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, cyberhubpodcast.com, where you can find all the latest, including the latest CISO Talk podcast with my good friend Wes Knight, as we talk about maturing the next generation of leaders and mentoring, and really the kind of role of a CISO when it comes to building that next generation of workforce. Join me this morning for a double espresso. It's afternoon here in Israel, right? But I still like just... You know, I love it. Can't help it. Even though I probably shouldn't be doing it at 4 p.m. But I am. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Good morning, everyone tuning in on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Let's get the show going with a Windows zero-day vulnerability that was fixed by this week's patch. Tuesday is now being exploited in ransomware attacks, according to Kaspersky. Microsoft's latest round of updates, 97 in total, um, including CVE 2023-28252, which is being described as a privilege escalation flaw affecting the Windows common lock file system driver. Microsoft warned that the vulnerability has been exploited in the wild, didn't share a lot of information. Kaspersky, Mandiant, and Chinese cybersecurity firm DB App Security have been credited for reporting it. And Kaspersky on, Kaspersky on Tuesday shared some details about the attacks exploiting the vulnerability. So according to Kaspersky, a cybercrime group known for conducting ransomware operations has been exploiting this vulnerability as part of attacks. So its goal is to deliver the Nokayawa ransomware. The group is notable for its use of large number of similar but unique common log file system driver exploits that were likely developed by the same exploit author. Since at least June of last year, we've identified five different exploits, according to Kaspersky, used in attacks on retail, wholesale, energy manufacturing, healthcare, software development, and other industries. The Nukoya ransomware family, which is designed to target Windows systems, emerged in February of last year. Malware encrypts files on compromised systems, but the cyber criminals also claim to steal valuable information that they threaten to leak unless ransom is paid. Kaspersky has not shared many details on the vulnerability. In an effort to prevent the abuse, the company plans on releasing more information nine days after Patch Tuesday. They've pointed out to a whole uh, pointed that about a dozens of the CLFS vulnerabilities were discovered in the past five years, and at least three of them have been exploited in the wild. Windows admins are also warned to patch a critical MSMQQ jumper bug. Security researchers are warning that the critical vulnerabilities in the Windows message queuing middleware service patched by Windows during Patch Tuesdays, also exposing hundreds of thousands of systems to attack. MSAMQ is available in all Windows OSs as an optional component that provides apps with network communication capabilities with guaranteed message delivery. It can be enabled via PowerShell or the control panel. The flaw CVE 2023-21554 enables unauthenticated attackers to get a remote code execution on unpatched Windows servers using specially crafted malicious MSMQ. Packets in low-complexity attacks that don't require user interaction. 
The list of affected Windows servers and client version includes all currently supported releases up to the latest version, Windows 11 22H2 and Windows Server 2022. There's also an exploitation more likely tag attached to the CVE given its aware of past instances of this type of vulnerability being exploited. Security researcher Wayne Lua, Fortinet FortiGuard Lab, and Haifi Lee of Checkpoint Research were credited for reporting the flaw to Microsoft. Um, there's a whole bunch of additional details, but you definitely want to make sure you get this patched. There are active scans, uh, I'm being told, as of this morning. You can check to see if there's a service running named Message Queuing, and TCP port 1801 is listening on the machine, according to Microsoft. A bunch of different ways to disable this and work around. All the information is in the show notes. Go and check it out there. The Lazarus Group's death note cluster is pivoting to the defense sector. While usually focused on cryptocurrency, North Korea is now doing some of the bidding for China. An operation was in North Korea's notorious Lazarus Group that initially focused solely on coin mining attacks has begun targeting defense sector organizations around the world. Now, there's a geopolitical aspect to this. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But Death Note is engaged in two different campaigns against defense companies in 22 alone. One of them is still ongoing and involves a defense sector organization in Africa. The security vendor discovered the campaign last July, found Death Note initially breached the company through a Trojanized open source PDF reader sent via Skype. Once executed, the PDF reader created a legitimate file and a malicious file in the same directory on the infected machine. It then used DLL side loading to install malware for stealing system information and downloaded a sophisticated second stage remote access Trojan called Copper Hedge from an attacker controlled C2 server. Copper Hedge is a malware that Lazarus Group clusters have used in other attacks, including against a South Korean IT company in 2022. Kaspersky, also at the head of this analysis of the attack, showed the malware using numerous legitimate Windows commands and tools such as Mimikatz for everything from initial reconnaissance on a compromised host system to acquiring login credentials to a lateral movement and exfil. To move laterally, the actor used a technique called service move, which leverages Windows perception simulation service to load arbitrary DLL files. When the group completed its mission and began exfiltrating data, they mostly utilized the WinRAR utility to compress the files, transmit them via C2 communication channels. The TTPs that it employed in the campaign against a defense contractor in Africa were similar to those observed in another 22 campaign that hit a defense company in Latin America. It's broadening its range of cyber targets. And it is, and the, the China has, China operates with now North Korea traditionally as kind of being go out, do something very, very disruptive. People will come to China knocking on the door saying, hey, control the road and, and, and the tyrant in North Korea. Then they go and they kind of say, all right, no, 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 don't do it. And it's a cat and mouse game that China uses. Now they do this with Iran as well. But leveraging North Korea to go after other targets gives China a bit more flexibility and bargaining power. Um, I'll send my dog after you. Unless you do X, and, and China's notorious for doing these kinds of stuff, especially in Africa and Latin America, where it's looking to gain a stronger foothold over all of the mineral mining that's going on there that's needed to really power all the uh, semiconductors. Um, and, and as they, you know, they've been threatening war against Taiwan. There's obviously a lot of talk around uh, Taiwan, including some simulated stuff that happened over the last week, uh, simulated attacks against the Taiwanese uh, folks on behalf on behest of China and then, and then the Chinese Communist Party that, that are bound to do that. And they use these as distraction points and then negotiation points in order to get people to focus on this rather than what they're really doing. DDoS attacks are shifting to VPS infrastructure for increased power. The hyper the hypervolumetric DDoS 
attacks in the first quarter of 2023 have shifted from relying on compromised IoT devices to leveraging breached virtual private servers. According to Cloudflare, the newest generation of botnets gradually abandoned the tactics of building large swarms of individually weak IoT devices and are now shifting towards enslaving vulnerable and misconfigured VPS servers using leaked API credentials or known exploits. The approach helped the threat actors build high-performance botnet easier and often quicker, which can be up to 5,000 times stronger than an IoT-based botnet. And you can obviously see that diagram here for those who um, are listening um, after the fact. Um, I'll, I'll take a copy of this image posted on social media on, on, on our LinkedIn page, Facebook page, and Instagram page. You can go check it out at the CyberHub podcast. But it kind of shows you how IoT-based botnet attacks come together versus VPS, which is 5,000 times stronger than IoT. So if we thought that's bad, imagine what's going to happen here. Uh, Cloudflare says they've been working with key cloud uh, computing providers and partners to crack down on these emerging VPS-based threats and says it succeeded in taking down a substantial portions of these novel botnets. Uh, the random DDoS attacks by quarters are increasing with uh, 20, Q4 2022 and Q1 so far, um, both uh, meeting the same. The most targeted country by DDoS attacks in Q1 was Israel, followed by the US, Canada, and Turkey. Um, internet services, marketing software, and gaming and gambling websites were the most targeted sector. The most significant attack seen by Cloudflare this quarter peaked at about 71 million requests per second. Another notable incident was a 1.3 terabyte per second DDoS attack targeting a telecom service provider in South America that we reported on just about a month ago. In terms of the size and duration of the attacks, most of them lasted for under 10 minutes, while 91% did not exceed 500 megabits per second. However, the number of larger attacks is still growing with attacks surpassing 100 gigabits per second, recording a rise of about 6.5% compared to the previous quarter. So the emerging trends here are um, a bit scary and, and the availability is going to really matter. And so companies like Cloudflare here uh, definitely are, are, are staying busy and ahead of this trend. We do have a security breach to report. Let's there is a security breach. So open source home theater software developer Kudi this week announced that it had started rebuilding its user forum after a February 2023 data breach. The incident, which was disclosed last week after the threat actor started advertising on underground forums, a dump of the user forum software, the hacker offered the data of 400,000 users, including the now defunct breach forums cybercrime website. The attacker compromised the account of an inactive administrator, accessed the web-based MyBB admin console on February 16th and 21st, creating database backups and downloading existing nightly full backups. The nightly full backups that were downloaded exposed all public forum posts, all team forum posts, all messages sent through the user-to-user -user messaging system and user data, including form username, email addresses used for notification, and an encrypted hashed and salted password generated by the MyBB software. All passwords the software maker said should be considered compromised, the same as user private data, including information shared. The admin team was working on performing a global password reset last week. Um, QD announced it's working on commissioning a new forum server, an operation that was initially planned before discovering the incident. They're now trying to do that and rebuild it. Whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but just the damage there has to be significant. And finally, Citizens Lab's obsession with Israeli spyware companies is boggling for me personally because China has them, the UK has them, France has them, Canada, China, Russia, Iran. I don't know. Um, Citizens Lab's obsession with going after companies based out of Israel that sell 
this type of software to governments and not to private organizations is absolutely fascinating and I question their motives. I question their motives because if you're going to go after this industry as a whole, go after all of it and not just the companies that are based out of Israel. Um, so Qa Dream, which is a kind of low-profile company that competes with uh, NSO Group, um, some of their activities were described last year by Meta, which reported taking down about 250 accounts associated with the firm. Um, they're saying it was founded by former NSO employees, potentially. They developed an exploitation platform named Rain, which has been offered to government organizations for law enforcement activities. Commercial spyware vendors typically advertise their solutions for such purposes, but investigations often reveal cases of abuse. Go talk to the government, not the company that sells the technology. You have a problem with the government, go to the government. So the reason this came to light is because they're essentially selling this through a cyberspace company called InReach. And now there's a legal dispute between InReach and QAdream over its alleged refusal to transfer part of the revenue to the Israeli firm as it's been agreed upon. The lawsuit has provided some insight into the spyware vendor's business practices and Citizen Lab has made public some information on several individuals that appear to be involved with both of those companies. Microsoft that tracks QAdream as Dev0196 has published a blog post focusing on the analysis of, of the iOS malware named King's Pawn by the tech giant that's likely delivered as part of the RAID platform. The version of the malware analyzed by Microsoft targeted iPhones running iOS 14 with evidence, evidence suggesting that some of the code may have been used for Android exploits as well. At the time of the attacks targeting iOS 14, this was the latest version of the OS. Apple was informed of, about these exploits in 2022 when the company reportedly notified targeted individuals at the time. Reuters reported that Quadrim leveraged the same iOS vulnerabilities that NSO Group used for its forced entry exploit. The malware has likely been delivered through a zero-click exploit named End of Days, which seemingly uses invisible iCloud calendar invitations sent by the attackers to the victim for delivery. Once it's been deployed on a device, King Pond's iOS malware can record audio from calls or the device's microphone, take pictures using the camera, exfiltrate and remove keychain items, generate iCloud 2FA passwords, track locations, search files and databases on the device, and it does clean up its own tracks. The investigation led to the identification of five unnamed victims located in North America, Europe, and the Middle East. Central and Southeast Asia victims include politician, journalists, and one NGO worker. An internet scan revealed the existence of 600 QAdream servers, including ones used to store data exfiltrated from victims and servers used for one-click browser exploits. They believe that they're being operated in countries like Israel, UAE, Pakistan, Singapore, Hungary, Czech Republic, Romania, Bulgaria, Mexico, and Ghana. Um are known to abuse power to target human rights defenders. Well, again, go talk to those governments and not the company that sells it. Um, the Israeli government is uh, said to have been abused mercenaries power to target Palestinian uh, HRDs. You mean the Palestinians that organizations that pay for Jewish blood, like the PLO? Um, because I can tell you I've been in Israel now for uh, about a week, a little over a week, week and a half or so. And... Uh, there's been a slew of, uh, of terrorist attacks here, including the killing of a mother and her two daughters who were simply driving on vacation, who were shot and gunned down like Sonny Corleone was in The Godfather. Um, so if you agree with that, and, and that's your justification that the Israeli government's using that spyware to target Palestinian alleged human rights activists, we can talk about that. Um, and, and we can have that conversation, but be real about it. I think Citizens Lab... Um, it has proven its bias in just going after Israeli companies rather than the whole industry. 
And so I take everything they say and do as kind of like, we're worried about human rights. You're just worried about Israeli companies selling technology. That That's just that. That's it for our show today. We'll be back on Monday with a whole lot more. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, have a great weekend and stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.